This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at tastylicksbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by the Barbecue Institute. Take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Visit bbqinstitute.com and register for classes today. And by Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets. Making pellets since 1994, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that sweet, succulent smoke that you're looking for on your meat, both for grills and bullet-style smokers, and, of course, in larger quantities for your pellet-fed smokers. Find them at bbqrsdelight.com. WLTV, the number one wine show on the internet. And this is BBQ Center. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show, the show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs, you'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by visiting the website thebbqcentral.com now let's get in the smoke here's your program host greg rempe hey everybody welcome to another edition and should i say a live edition of the really big barbecue Central show yeah it's the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling 
Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Uh, believe it or not, places north of me already knew that when I said Cleveland, they're like, hey, that's the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm like, hell yeah, it is. Glad you recognized the respect and proper adulation as it concerns Cleveland and its proper place in the barbecue annals of history. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Thanks for coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Great to be back on your Tuesday. We'll get into what happened a little bit later last week. Let me give you some contact information in case you want to jump in on the show tonight. You're more than welcome to do that. You can do it two ways. 800 number is up and running, so you would dial 877-448-0433, 877-448-0433, or you can also email the show if you want to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show if you want to. If you don't, if you just want to lay out and enjoy the show for what it is, you're more than encouraged to do that as well. Nothing worse than making that phone call, getting on the air, and then being like, uh, I don't know what I want to say. Hey, that's all right. Lay out, man. Be cool with it. Nobody understands more than me what it's like potentially fail in front of thousands, if not millions of centralites that will mercifully I'm sorry, mercilessly make fun of you for God knows who knows how long if you fail on the show. 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQ Central Show. Here's what's happening on the show tonight in case you missed the newsletter. You can sign up for that on the webpage. Go to thebbqcentralshow.com and just sign up right there at the top right of the newly revamped website. And you can get on board with the newsletter, 14 past the hour. Candy Weaver, you know her as the Kansas City Barbecue Society's acting president. You also know her as the pit master of barbecuers delight. The pellet, uh, the pellets, barbecuers delight sponsor of the show, but they're also a competition cooking team, and she took reserve grand championship this past weekend. So we're going to talk to her about both uh, the event that she cooked in, I believe, it was Jefferson City, Missouri. And we'll also get into uh, some Kansas City Barbecue Society stuff as well. Thirty-five past the hour. I kind of eighty-five percent confirmed it with Derek Riches, a regular contributor to the show, monthly contributor to the show. I didn't get his talking notes yet, so I am a little skittish on really confirming Derek at the moment. If we don't have Derek at 35 past for whatever reason, I do have a new barbecue sauce that I could actually do like a live review on to fill. Uh, Also, we could get your particular takes on barbecue and grilling if you want to as well to, to fill that segment. And then we'll close out first hour. Second hour, uh, really loaded in. Three interviews. Three? Well, not really. Three segments of interviews with two different people. Leading right off at the top of the hour, my cousin, Scott Volpe, will be on. And we're actually going to break out of traditional format and do a little type 1 diabetes talk. Maybe you saw the Facebook and my Twitter page. Really been hitting that hard because I'm looking to help him reach a goal of what is an overall $5,000. I'm looking to raise $800 over the course. You know, If we could do it tonight, great. Uh, over the course of the next week or two, that would be even better. Uh, I do have a page up on my website under the links section. There's a little tab that will drop down once you rest the cursor on links. It'll say Ben's Avengers, and there's a little page that I made up for him. So if you're looking to potentially donate to this cause, uh, I would certainly take it as a great appreciation 
and uh, hit my personal goal of $800 and help them you know, bump up to their overall goal of $5,000. They're going to be doing a charity walk on May 6th, I believe. Uh, so we'll talk to Scott right at the top of the hour, 10 o'clock, about type 1 diabetes, uh, juvenile diabetes. His son has it. He's eight years old. He's been uh, living with it for two years. What were the warning signs? What does he go through on a day-to-day basis? What's it like for Scott and his wife, Aaron, and you know, mind, mindsets and, and the thoughts that have to go into each and every move that are being you know, that, that Ben has to do. Uh, then we'll kind of break it up after that. Uh, 14 past uh, the hour of 10 o'clock, we'll have Meathead Goldwyn, a crowd favorite, a centralite favorite, talking about any number of things. If you don't know about Meathead, you're doing yourself and others a disservice. You want to go to his website, which, by the way, is uh, easily the most popular and heavily trafficked barbecue website on the Internet. So that's AmazingRibs.com if you've never checked it out. Chalk full of barbecue information. So check that out. We'll have him for two segments, and that'll be it. That'll be it for the show. Um, Look at this email that I'm getting in. This guy, I wish Big Daddy would send me his name. There is an email that I'm getting in from Big Daddy's Q and Crew. He wanted to. He had emailed me a little bit earlier today, and he wanted to know if there was an app that he could download for a smartphone and listen to the show live. I was like, yeah, totally. You can get that app, uh, TuneIn Radio, which I always talk about. And lo and behold, he's like, hey, got the app. I'll be streaming the show live from my, wait for it, patrol car. What? My man is keeping law and order and... Listening to the show all in one. Just wrote back in, Big Daddy, from Big Daddy's Q and Crew listening live between tickets. That's right. (laughs) Sir, here's a ticket for speeding. I got to go back and listen to Meathead. Now, be cool. So, first police officer, Big Daddy should call in and uh, chirp the sirens and also uh, uh, take down some gangbangers during a live show. That would be awesome. Big Daddy, props. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening live to the show while you're saving the lives of others. I appreciate that first and foremost. So that's what's happening here on the show tonight. Now, a lot of you wondering what happened last week. You know, I would just love to blame it all on Shane Draper and say, look, take it up with him. I can't do that. Here's the deal. Since I've been doing the show for so long, I guess I don't really understand some of the most essential pieces that are required in order to do the show as a guest host. And one of those, as we've come to find out, that is an essential piece is, you know, it's not the expensive microphone. It's not the high definition webcams or the the banner behind me or anything like that. No, it's the mixer part that you need to have if you don't have that, evidently, because you need to have an item that is going to be able to dump multiple sources of audio in. So Kevin from Home Barbecue and Outdoor Cooking Channel is able to, you know, get all that out to you guys for live consumption during the show. So uh, Shane was giving it his all. We were in communication all the way through last week. And really kind of last minute, just wasn't able to get the live show up. But we did have the 2011 best in, uh, uh, 2011 year in review show ready to go just in case. So... Hopefully that was able to cure your barbecue hangover, your withdrawals, as it were. 
but I'm always looking for people that are interested in potentially guest hosting the show. Um, I had reached out to, uh, I see uh, my, uh, that's either Hot Sauce Chick or Brian Mayer in tonight. You know, reached out to them, didn't hear back from them, reached out to Huck, um, reached out to Shane, reached out to Barbecue Grail, uh, Larry Gain over there. So, you know, essential piece to have if you're looking to get in that stable of potentially guest hosting the show, if I'm going to be out of pocket and I don't have the ability to do it remotely then you need to get a you need to have a mixer you can you can just have like a regular Skype headset but you do need a oh, reach out to whiskey bent as well he was tied up he didn't even do his own show last week i didn't do my own show last week that's funny um but you're going to need to have the the mixer for sure in order to do it so if you're ever interested in potentially hosting just let me know you know bring in the i would love to do that type of deal and you know be more than happy to at least potentially get you on uh, or in the stable as uh, as guest host. I will be doing a live show next week, even though I will be in Canada again. Uh, I will be doing a live show from Canada through the use of super cool computer willy-nillies. Not to get too technical on anybody. But I'm going to give it a try. Uh, the, the, the live reads might be a little bit of a challenge with the music because I'm not going to be dealing with the superior equipment, and hopefully the bandwidth is going to be all right. But for now, we're going to give it a try and see how it goes. So there will be a live show next week, even though I technically won't be in the confines of the Barbecue Central Radio Network's compound. All right, Candy Weaver coming up here in just a minute. We also have potentially Derek Riches. We have Scott Volpe at the top of 10 o'clock. Meathead for the second hour. Let me tell you quickly about a sponsor of the show who I've been very proud to be dealing with, and that is none other than Conrad Haskins of the Barbecue Institute. And his image is not there anymore. Fabulous. Why isn't his image there anymore? It's outrageous. Patently ridiculous. Wait a second. Let me look here. Barbecue Institute. Well, I apologize for that. I have no idea where the hell his image went. It's outrageous. Patently ridiculous. Look, take your barbecue to the next level with a Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Teddy Bear Conrad Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food, science, and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Backyard barbecuers and those folks who want to open a barbecue business drive and fly in from all over the world for the Institute's small, friendly, informative classes. The Barbecue Institute has a full class schedule in spring. This in Texas covering everything from short fajita classes to an all-day class on how to smoke the classics like brisket, pork, ribs, and chicken. The premier class of the year is coming up June 2nd and 3rd at the McKinley Springs Winery in Prosser, Washington, set in the beautiful Horse Heaven Hills AVA. This is Conrad's favorite location to teach barbecue. In addition to the menu listed on the website, there will be an additional side and Dutch oven desserts. The special unannounced bonus will be Whole Hog on Sunday. You heard it here first on the Barbecue Central Radio Show, folks. Whole Hog class on Sunday. Our first all-barbecue girls class is coming up at the Arbor Gate in Tomball, Texas, April 29th. That's this coming weekend. The dining diva, Molly Fowler, will be teaching an all-girls class the ins and outs of barbecue. Other upcoming classes with Pitmaster Conrad Haskins include Grilling 101 and Barbecue 101 weekend in Dallas, May 4th and May 5th. Now, we're not teaching classes on the weekend. Conrad is conducting private classes and corporate events from coast to coast during the week. To make your off-site, to make your next off-site event really memorable, have a Barbecue Institute 
off-site party. Show your employees you care with the very best barbecue money can buy. They'll be talking about it for years to come, I swear to God. Shout out to Neil Big Mr. Strauder from Conrad for helping him feed over 200 wounded warriors in California as well. For details, go to the Barbecue Institute class website, bbqinstitute.com. Check their Facebook page for the latest in news and pictures as well. Again, that's bbqinstitute.com. And don't forget about the all-girls class coming up April 29th and that uh, wonderful event going on January 2nd and 3rd. Check it out for that. bbqinstitute.com. We're coming back with Candy Weaver. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. Coming up on 14 past the hour, 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show. If you want to get in touch with the show. All right, my first guest is the current president of KCBS. She's also keeping fairly busy. Competition schedule this year as well. Past weekend, she took second overall in the Jefferson City, Missouri event. A competition which saw 67 teams show up and try to win. Here to talk about both subjects, the competition and KCBS. None other than friend and uh, appreciated sponsor of the show, Candy Weaver, joining us. Candy, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing, Greg? Doing absolutely fabulous, Candy. Always appreciate the fact that you make time for the show here. And, uh, you know, love to be able to talk some competition with you first and foremost right up front. I mean, we'll get into the KCBS stuff here in just a minute. But you, you are a competition cook. You provide the premier pellets out there in the industry for pellet-fed cookers and for people that just want to add wood flavor to their charcoal and grills if they don't have the pellet-fed cookers. You were in Jefferson City, Missouri this past weekend. You were able to take Reserve Grand Championship. You know, you know I wonder, 67 teams show up. This isn't your first year on the circuit, Ken. You're well-seasoned. So when you know it's going to be a big event like this one, is it at all a little bit more intimidating uh, than some of the little ones, or do you feel the same amount of pressure or not the same amount of pressure, whether it's 60 or 80 teams or 20 or 30 teams? It's the same for me it is. You know, you got to understand, I've been cooking so badly since I got on the board that uh, I kind of had an epiphany this year, and I've been inviting some of my favorite people to come cook with me because I've been doing so bad I've got nothing to lose. And Jeff City was no exception, and, and uh, my dear friend Sharon Will did ribs for me and uh, of Smoker's Wild out of Paola, Kansas. And we just had a great time. Sharon was uh, my next-door neighbor at the very first contest that, that I ever cooked back in 2004. So uh, I'm really having a great time this year, and I, I think maybe that attitude's taking a little bit of the pressure off. But I'll be honest with you, I think last weekend I just got really, really lucky. And, and my favorite line is every now and then even a blind squirrel finds an acorn. Yeah. <laughs> Candy Weaver joining us here on the show. Um, we'll, we'll get into the categories a little bit more in depth here in a second, but you know, did you have to contend with anything out of the ordinary down at uh, Jeff City at all? It was cold. <laughs> yeah, join the club. Come to Cleveland if you want cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not as cold as up there, but I'm I'm kind of fighting a sore throat, and I'm I'm fighting it hard because I'm I'm wanting to go cook another contest this weekend, and and. Uh, I can't do it sick. 
Now, well, you know, you mentioned it was cold, and I guess, you know, typically you're not used to cooking in, I, I guess, what would be considered miserable conditions. So when you're, you have all the other stuff that you're going to have to worry about, whether you're in 80 degree weather or whether you're in 20 below degree weather, when you have to add weather adjustments, does that affect the cook at all? Or do you have to start things earlier or take things off later or anything like that? Or do you pretty much stay, you know, straight in line? You know, actually, I don't think it's temperature so much as it's, it's, it's relative humidity. Um, several years back, it seemed like every contest I cooked, I cooked in the rain. And I noticed that uh, I, I went to the mental said, well, I'm going to start everything an hour or two earlier. And everything got done faster. And then it was a matter of having to hold it longer. Right. And I found that to be the biggest thing. I'm more apt to put things on a little early when, when it's dry and cold and windy. Just basically because those are going to be things that are going to suck the, the heat out of the pit. The moisture does something to hold the heat in. So I, I don't know the chemistry of it. It's just been my, my observation over time. Candy Weaver joining us here on the show from Barbecuers Delight, also current KCBS president. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at the categories a little bit more in depth here, Candy. Uh, chicken is always called yeah. first, obviously. Uh, you get second overall out of 67 teams, so a nice way to get a little bit of momentum uh, during the, the competition for that first call. Did you think as you were checking it out, getting ready to run over to the judges' tent, was that a second-place chicken, a first-place chicken? Did you get lucky in chicken? What do you think? I think I got lucky in chicken. I did an un- unusual presentation, and I think that paid off for me. I did not particularly like the taste of the chicken, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was the best I'd ever done. Um, I would have not have been surprised if it had been a second-place brisket and a tenth-place chicken, honestly, because my, chi- my brisket was really good. <laughs> now, I-, I would imagine that for every category, because you referenced how, uh, you know, good your chicken tasted or didn't taste you're tasting everything before you turn it in to make some type of last minute seasoning adjustments or sauce adjustments if you would need to or no uh chicken no because it's pretty much how it is and i don't taste chicken before it goes in i taste chicken about five minutes after hopefully that's when the judges are eating it you know first thing i do is i'll pick my six pieces that go in the box or eight or however many i'm going to turn in and I will take the rest of it, and I will cover it as if it's in a styrofoam box. And then I'll take it out about five minutes later, figuring that's when the judges will eat it, and I'll try it then. Gotcha. Now, but I, I don't. There's nothing you can adjust with chicken. You know, you can't really salt the outside. That's not gonna. That's gonna give you a texture. So now ribs you can adjust, pork you can adjust, brisket you can adjust. But I'd really rather not have to. All right, so uh, second overall in chicken, so you definitely take that. You go to ribs next. Uh, you're not getting a call in that one because they're probably calling top ten as, uh, as usual. Right. Now, I told Sharon she was 11. Uh, exactly, right? So you end up getting 18th. Uh-huh. Were, you, were you disappointed uh, overall with the result? Did you think that they were better than the judges reflected? I don't know. I, I took a bite of I. I I ate about half of one rib the same five minutes afterwards, and um, I thought they were good. Um, I haven't got a clue with ribs. Um, I, everything, ribs are like my mystery meat. I can't figure them out. 
and I've tried a number of different things, and uh, I was I was quite surprised and at the Royal last year because I actually made double digits. It's been my goal to make the the first page of the results in the Royal at some point in time in the Open. And um, I was 93rd, and I was in baby backs, and I never cooked baby backs. But I couldn't find spare ribs I liked. And a friend of mine, Brad Brad Barrett with Grill Grates, was cooking with me. And I told him, I said, I don't know which one to turn in. You tell me. We'll turn in what you think's best. And he <laughs> said, go with the babies. And I did. So I, the ribs, I have no clue. All right, so I mean, I guess you'll take 18th. It's better than 67th, yeah. I would imagine, right? So uh, d- doing pretty good. You get to pork. Again, no call. Uh, ends up being 29th, so you know, falling more towards the back half of the field there. Candy, it seems like without fail, with the pitmasters that I have been interviewing this year especially, pork has been the category for the people that have won or come second like yourself that has really dropped off compared to the other three, and certainly you guys are no exception. What's going on with pork this year with people? Well, um, I'll be honest. I think I think we have a, a I think we have a problem with the rules in pork, and I think there's I don't know how we're going to fix it. And I know there's been a whole heated exchange in the rules committee today about how to handle pork. And um, part of the problem is 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 having to um, I think an awful lot of cold pork's being turned in the trays. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be a way to adhere to the spirit of the rule where people don't cook money muscle separately um, and have it look like a pork tenderloin and allowing cooks to, to keep your pork hot to turn it in hot. Because cold pork really isn't very good. So this is a matter so, that you think of people getting the pork separated and it's just cooling off quicker, where if it was whole it would stay hotter longer? Well, I think I think it's really easy, especially on cooler days. But even in, I, in Hammond, I, I was sitting there cutting my pork and chunking my pork and pulling my pork and doing all this and getting it all ready to go in the box. And by the time I lifted it up to, to put it in the box, it was like maybe lukewarm. And you put it in a box that's been in a cooler or a refrigerator keeping the greens nice and fresh. Um <laughs> That temperature is 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 going to be stone cold by the time it gets to the judging table, hmm. and I I don't think that helps pork at all. Yeah, I, I agree. P- cool pork is probably not the best uh, way to get those flavor profiles on you know, your tongue you if you're a the, judge. You got the mass of the brisket that you know you're going to slice it, and besides brisket, if it, if if you need to, to zap it, you can stick it in hot juice. You can slice it and cook it. Put it in a pan and put it back in the cooker. You can do that with it. You can't. You're not allowed to do that with pork. All right. So that's obviously uh, something, as you said, that you guys are talking about uh, more in KCBS BOD type stuff. Um, so 29th in pork, so better than half. Uh, brisket comes up. You get a call in brisket. Uh, it's 10th overall, so definitely mm-hmm. better than the majority of the field. I'm sure you're very happy with that. How did the brisket seem to you that day? Oh, I thought the brisket was great. It was juicy. It was tender. The texture was right. My burn ends were melting your mouth. Um, I, I, I was proud of everything that went in the box. Are, are you using any special brisket? Are you a, a Wagyu brisket gal? Or are you just? I'm a Snake River Farms. 
Snake River Farms. Okay, so that's, uh, well, I guess we'll be talking about Wagyu and Kobe beef with Meathead next segment or uh, next hour. So you want to tune into that because I'm sure it's going to be a, a revelation of, uh, of sorts. But uh, so you thought you did really. So, so here's what it is. Basically, you have two no calls. You have two calls. In your mind, do you think that you have tanked the non-calls to the point that it's going to keep you out of that top 10 overall? Or do you think that you were just kind of hanging around outside of that top 10 and you'd be okay in the overall? Um, I don't know. You know, you just kind of take it as it goes. I, I was, I figured I'd, I'd do maybe, maybe top 10. And, you know, they did talk, call the top 10 overall, and, and there was an award for all 10 places overall in Jeff City. And, um, uh, you know, when it came down to the last two, I was very surprised to be reserved, actually. And it was very, very close between uh, Barbecuers Delight and Wild Blue. Uh, if if we'd have flip flopped a couple of places, if he'd done a little bit better in ribs and if he'd done a little bit better in pork, it would have been his, and I'd have been third. Yeah, so it was very close. Well, I mean, I'm sure you could go back through and look at the the categories that you didn't get calls in and say, well, if we would have done five or six places better, we would have been walking away uh, with a GC was, instead it, of second I was place, nine right? Nine points away from the from the brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know. Now, so let me ask you this. You know, I go through the team's results of that competition, and I see a handful of, I guess, what I would consider to be uh, more of the, the top-tier teams, people that you would normally see in a top-10 or higher situation, for inststance Slabs.com or True Bud Barbecue, Iowa Smoky D's, mm-hmm. uh, Munch and Hogs at the Hilton, for example. These guys were all, like, middle of the pack or lower. Is this, like, competition barbecue in its essence? Did they hit bad tables, or was there something else going on there? Well, you always have the, the, the table configuration, and I think there's a whole lot to be said about luck of the table because that, that's, that's true. Um, but I think, I think judges' taste change, too, over time. Uh, I don't know if that's anything I can... You know, cooks typically cook the same or try to cook the same over time, or they change little bitty things in little bitty steps. I know I do. Um, so it's hard to say, but I know it was very surprising to see Munch and Hogs where they were. And, and there were a number of really good teams there that did not get a call. Candy Sue so, joining us here on the show. Uh, Barbecuers Delight, the website, by the way, for the pellets, uh, bbqrsdelight.com. And then, of course, uh, Kansas City Barbecue's website, uh, kcbs.us. So let's transition over that a little bit here before, uh, you okay. know, for the next five minutes, Candy, while I got you. You know, what's happening okay. within the, the confines of KCBS? Anything new that you can kind of report to us on that you're excited about? Oh, there's, there's, been, some, there's been some wonderful changes in the last month. And, and the really uh, cool thing is it's been invisible. Uh, we've been doing various enhancements and upgrades and changes in, in hosting on the website at kcbs.us. Uh, we have big plans to put more member-driven uh, or member-accessible uh, content on the website. There's, you know, the Master Judge Test is online now. There's a judging refresher course online now. Um, I'm hoping that we have a bulletin board up at, at, in the near future that where people can, uh, it won't really be a full forum. It'll be a bulletin board where, where buy, sell, trade, uh, help needed at a contest. Master judges looking for a cook team to cook their master judge with. Um, 
I, I just think it's, it's so exciting to be able to reach out to the barbecue and public online and, and our membership online. But and, and nobody's noticed any changes, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, well, you know, one of the other things. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Absolutely, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Dead air. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. No, I was going to say, um, you know, one of the other things that seems to be going very well is the Sam's Club. You know, in the second year, it seems to be still doing very well. You added, you know, a handful of uh, competitions. You know, I wonder because. I, I guess I never really heard anything bad about it at all last year, and I'm guessing because of you know kind of where you were sitting within the the position in, in KCBS, you probably heard some negative about it. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm hearing a little bit more and more about well, Sam's Club's coming in and they're taking away from some of these more established competitions that have been around for years, and people are deciding to not go to the ones that they were going to before to go chase after Sam's. Uh, have you been hearing that? And you know what's Obviously, there's pros and cons. Uh, how do you guys go about deliberating, you know, if you should let a Sam's go somewhere or if you shouldn't, I guess? Well, while we, we uh, I could say that there was some maybe guidance in where Sam's chose to put the contest, but Sam's chose where to put the contest. Mm-hmm. The one thing they did this year is they kind of looked at the weather because I tell you what, Fort Worth in July on a parking lot, on a Sam's parking lot, was miserable. The the thermal pin read over 130 degrees on the concrete, um, and you know all of those have been happening in the in the in the cooler months of spring, or they'll happen in the fall. Um, there was a lot said last year. In fact, I went to a contest last year because the organizer was crying that, that Sam's was taking away teams and. I hopped in the truck and drove over there and, and, and went to that contest for that reason. Um, but you're going to step on it, it, it. You don't want to, but there's only a set number of weekends a year, and, and you can't make everybody happy, Greg. I wish you could. Don't I know about you know, that? I think we try to and try really hard. Do you Do you have any thought at all this has nothing to do with kcbs affiliation or anything but just candy as a person thinking on your own do you have mm-hmm. any thought at all that uh, sam's is just testing out competition barbecue and they could at some point spin off and make their very own sanctioning body with their own competitions and money oh that's so out of their their purpose i don't i don't see that happening um you know sam's has a pretty strong purpose as a, as a retailer, and after all, Walmart and Sam's um, Sam's is part of the Walmart organization. They're the biggest, one of the biggest corporations in the world, and and they do what they do very well. I, I don't see where they they'd see that there's any money in in doing this kind of thing. It's a promotion thing, you know. They get their vendors involved in the in the thing, and and. It brings people into the club, and as long as the events at the Sam's Clubs boost same-day sales on that day, you know they're gonna they're gonna see it as something that's worth doing. But I don't I don't see them spinning off and doing their own thing. Candy Weaver joining us here on the show. All right, Candy. Before I turn you loose here, uh, anything else that you would like to mention that's happening or, or in the works with KCBS that you could let us in on tonight? Um. Well, there's been there's. I just got off a phone call when you called that uh, uh, with the judges' committee, and we're working on some some way to 
looking at a way to reward judges who've judged for many, 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 many contests, more than 30. And uh, that's that's been in the works. And there's a lot of exciting things going on at KCBS. The new board is just great. Um, our four new board members are, 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 are really, it was a great thing. It was a great thing. Great election. And we have a great board this year. And keep looking at uh, th- things are just going to get better. Well, I, I guess just to kind of close out and, and, and uh, kind of dovetail on your thought there, uh, I know we tried to – I was looking to get somebody on a couple weeks ago, and I, I guess what I, I liked was, you know, you gave me that phone call. You're like, you know, let's not do anything right now. And, you know, I was just looking to get somebody on. You guys had some issues that you were taking care of. But uh, I guess, you know, what I thought – well, first of all, I was like, well, I'm going to put whoever I want on my show. But secondarily, and more importantly, I'm looking at it like, well, here's a group finally – looking like they want to be together, they're gelling, and they want to keep everything in-house and get it done on their own instead of just people coming on and rifling roughshod and being loose cannons all over the place. So, you know, as somebody who appreciates trying to get a board of directors that is working together and trying to move that vision forward, it seems like, at least in the very, uh, in the very offing here in the near, it seems to be going pretty well. I think we got a good team. Absolutely. All I right. really do. I think it's very exciting that this is the first board, uh, maybe ever, that, that uh, the majority of the members aren't, aren't contest reps. Uh, we have cooks. We have organizers. We have a judge that's a dedicated judge on, on the board. And I, I, I'm just absolutely thrilled to be a part of it. I, I mean, truly. Can and you this, we- of course, is my last year. So this is... Uh, it's going to be a good one. All right. Candy Weaver is the current president of KCBS. She's also uh, one of the owners over at Barbecuers Delight. You can find those website, kcbs.us and bbqrsdelight.com. Candy, again, congratulations on this past weekend. Thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime, Greg. You got it. There she is. Candy Weaver, president of KCBS and, again, part owner or uh, one of the owners of Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets. Fabulous. It's good to talk competition with Candy instead of just uh, hashing out KCBS whatnot. Look at this guy. What? Gang, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Look, there are unsavory businesses and creeping marauders at each and every turn on the Internet. I think we can all agree on that. But sometimes you are looking for a barbecue or grilling item that just isn't stocked anywhere in your hometown. Or the next town over, or even the next town over from that, and your options have become now very limited, and you're forced to go online to buy the item that you want, or you're forced to go without it. The internet grip starts to set in, the hands start to sweat, your neck tightens. You've been screwed on internet purchases before, and you don't want it to happen again. After all, this is your hard-earned money you are spending You need to feel confident that the company you are buying from is honest and fair. Good news, folks. Let Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue relieve you of your internet buying stresses. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories of barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All the items that you see on Fred's website are in stock. They're ready to ship to you directly. Are there other places on the internet you might be able to find items cheaper? Perhaps. Or are you 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item you buy? How long is it going to take to get to you? All great questions that no one has 100% answers to. 
Now, when you buy from Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, the items are in the store. They're ready to ship to you promptly. Everything in the store is priced fairly. Hell, if you want to give Fred a try and work out some type of a deal, he'll be happy to take your call. He's a businessman. But just be confident that you're going to be getting the stuff that you want. Tasty Licks carries grills, smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you don't need it. One top, I'm sorry, on top of all that, Fred has his own line of barbecue rubs and sauces, that Tasty Licks brand of lines of rubs and sauces. They're spectacular. you got to try them out. And he carries many of the show sponsors in his store as well. So it's almost like you're doing two for one. You're buying from a product from a sponsor from a sponsor store. Now, this coming weekend, Bob and Kenny from the Barbecue Guru are going to be doing a demonstration at the Shillington, Pennsylvania store using the Guru on Big Green Eggs and other cookers. Also, that Onyx oven will be on demo as well. 11 a.m., free. Just show up at Fred's place. It's all good. Head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com and let the confidence exude from you as you make your purchases online. Then enjoy the items that you get on delivery. And don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you after the sale as well if you need it. TastyLicksBBQ.com. I'm holding out for Derek Riches. If he's there, I don't know what we're talking about. But we'll see. Hang with me. You never know what's going to happen here. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Moonshine Band, Suburban Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. All right, coming up on 20 till the top of the hour. Thanks again to Candy Weaver for joining me. And uh, we're going to race over to the hotline, believe it or not. Monthly contributor to the show, Derek Riches, is here. Derek, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing fine. I have no idea what we're talking about tonight. Uh, how about we talk about uh, misleading beef labels? Yep, misleading beef label. We'll also talk about sushi uh, scrape. Kobe. And pink slime yeah. and Kobe beef and how it's not Kobe <laughs> beef. I don't know what meatheads are going to talk about next hour, but who cares about that? Well, yeah, he's on after, so uh, you know if he's out of luck. Yeah, let's take his like stuff first. Me. That's right. You show up first, you get first right on whatever topics that you want to talk about. Yeah, all well, right. That's what I think. So, Derek, uh, let me wait now. Before we go, I just got into this LinkedIn. Like I've had an account forever, and I just started uh, connecting with people. Uh, over the past two or three days, you were a person that I connected with. And it says Derek Riches, and then it says president of, like, relaxation and beer drinking or something like that. What is that company that you're running? <laughs> uh, actually, I have a company. It's called Regarding Barbecue. It's yes. actually just kind of a play on words. It's, in essence, my holding company. To it, There's legal stuff. Don't ask me. It, Lawyers and accountants come up with this stuff, not me. Enough said. I can uh, totally understand that. Regarding barbecue, so I was just uh, very interested. I needed to ask you about that tonight. Now, uh, of course, you have one of the coolest jobs ever. You work for About.com, bbq.about.com, where you're evaluating you know, a number of different items that are coming into the market to get your hands on a lot of cool stuff. Uh, anything that you've been uh, testing around and, and evaluating since our last meeting you'd like to, to bring up and go over tonight? Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of the stuff I've been actually testing out, but um, I think 
the, the first thing again to we I think we have now come full circle um, coming out in the next maybe a month I'm, I haven't been able to nail this down yet um, we will now have a pellet Kamado cooker really yeah Enviro stoves they make pellet stoves and like all other pellet stove makers have decided that they should have a pellet grill and they thought they'd go a different route and they're going to actually be putting out a Kamado style pellet cooker. All right, so I'm intrigued to the fact that a Kamado style cooker is going to be something that would look like, well, a Kamado or a big green egg style or a grill dome or we can go on and on. Yeah, so, it looks like, it looks very much well. It frankly it looks a lot like a big green egg. It's got two side tables on it, but right. one of the side tables is actually um, where your pellet hopper is located. So feeds down it, the side into the base of the unit. This is just going to be a me too pellet cooker, then. I mean, you're going to be paying. I mean, Kamados aren't necessarily known for being uh, inexpensive. Uh, granted. Unless it's a Traeger, the pellet grills haven't necessarily been inexpensive anyway. I mean, you're probably looking in the you know eleven, twelve, fifteen hundred dollar and up range for pellet cookers. What's yeah. going to make it unique? The fact that it's going to is it going to consume less pellets because there's ceramics with it? I mean, what's the deal with that? You know, I I, I don't know all the specs on it yet. I, I know this one's going to come in around fifteen hundred dollars. Um, it has a high capacity um, Enviro. Uh, pellet stoves, reputation for being very good and very powerful, and they're basically using the same um, igniter systems and all that sort of stuff in this grill. Um, so I'm hoping to to be able to get uh, at least a look at it, hopefully soon, and, and give this thing a try out. My understanding, um, I was talking with someone who's actually tested it out. Um, this can put on 100 degrees every minute when you fire it up. Hmm. So it can reach six, seven hundred degrees in six or seven minutes. Through the fact of its outrageous fan system or something like that, or the, the drafting well, stuff? Or I what? think because what you have is a high-insulated pellet cooker, round design. It's a relatively small unit, pretty much like a large big green egg. Um, actually, just like a large big green egg. So... Uh, I, supposedly, you can adjust the temperature on this very rapidly, um, and you have the advantage of having, um, you know, computer-controlled temperature on it. So now that it is a pellet cooker, now with a regular Kamado or Big Green Egg or whatever, you can fire it up if it rains. You know, obviously, you would you would like to keep it out of any really huge downpours, but if it's raining, you know, no matter. You're going to get wet if you're making some temperature adjustments or if you need to go flip something over or whatever. Uh, but it's going to run and function just fine in, in any type of weather. Now that it's going to be a pellet cooker, uh, at least with all the other pellet cookers, you need to be cognizant of what's the weather going to be like. Do I have to have it under an overhang if it's going to rain? Because you have electronics now. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the issues with it. Uh, you know, um, there's still a number of questions to be answered. Um, I just basically got some information on it this week and uh, thought this was, uh, well, it's at least interesting. It would seem like if you're in business and you want to be a good marketer, that you would have at least had a prototype to have had available for people to look at a couple months ago at the HPBA Expo, no? Um, that would seem logical. So I'm kind of assuming that they're either, well, that they're basically behind schedule is what I'm thinking. But I know that uh, Enviro dealers have been out talking to retailers 
about getting it on the market, and maybe they're kind of doing a soft launch. So will this be in your specialty stove and grill stores? It's not going to be in a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot or anything like that? No. Yeah, it'll it'll be through uh, Envirus uh, um, Distribution Network, so it's going to be in the stores that are carrying their their um, fireplace inserts and pellet, uh, pellet stoves. So what's that like? I mean, you have, you know, companies out there that have great products or, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is when, um, rancher charcoal came out, they were initially in home Depot, then they got pulled out and then they pretty much ended up failing because they didn't really have any good distribution set up. Does Enviro stove have a decent amount of dealers right now? So when they bring them to market, you're going to be able to see them or you're going to have to travel long distances in between to even see one. Well, you know, it's one of the big challenges, but Enviro does have a pretty good distribution network. So, um, you know, I think it's going to it's going to get a lot of floor space. I, I would assume. I mean, it's just we're going to have to wait and see. And considering that, you know, we're looking at kind of a maybe May launch, uh, probably just not going to see a lot of it this year. All right, so maybe May, maybe around fifteen hundred dollars. So. You know, not horribly expensive given the uh, the amount of space that you're going to be on. You get a couple pork butts, probably two, three racks of ribs, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, what else do you have in the uh, in the pipeline that you're messing around with? That we can talk about tonight. Hey, I, I was you know I'm trying to remember what we talked about last time. Uh, do you know if we talked about the Brawlmaster Crave? Do you remember that Crave? Yeah, Q R A V E is how they're no. spelling it. No. We didn't talk okay, about that. Okay, doesn't ring a bell. Nope. Okay. Um, you know, Brawlmaster is a big gas grill manufacturer that most people don't seem to have actually heard of. They're Canadian, um, right, or it, no? It, it's one of those fireplace companies that's been producing gas grills for the last 30 years. Um, and and Brawlmaster products are, are really good gas grills in a very traditional style that kind of go back to, um, uh, you, you know, more of the classic gas grills of, 20, 30 years ago, cast mm-hmm. aluminum, yep. stuff like this. Uh, this year, uh, they're actually launching a new product, which is kind of the first time that they've had anything innovative in a while. Uh, and what they've decided to do is uh, kind of rip off the Holland grill design. Um, well, you know, everyone, the Holland was a you know, very popular product. They held all the patents. As soon as their patents expired, everybody reproduced it. Um, but the construction on this is is actually really nice uh, because Brawlmaster does a really good um, really good job with their product. Uh, basically, it's it's a gas grill, but there's a there's a solid metal plate between the burner and the Fujicook, and that's sometimes counterintuitive to people. But it gives you the ability to kind of roast, smoke, uh, steam because you can actually fill it with water if you want to. Um, uh, yeah, I know. I, I know. I saw that look. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's really popular. Now, one of the limitations that the Holland had was the fact that it wasn't able to generate real high temperatures. So it was a really great roaster oven. Um, the the Brawlmaster design is, is hitting a lot higher temperatures. It's incorporating uh, better smoke control, smoke generation. Um, and because there's that separation between the gas burners and the cooking space, you can actually get a more dry heat um, than you can with a standard gas grill. Um, you know, one of the problems with smoking a gas grill is you have all that moisture creation from the combustion of propane or natural right. gas. This separates that so that you actually have, uh, you know, a better smoking capability. 
Now, is the Broil Master, are they out of Canada? Are they made up there? Is that the, is there another one that I'm thinking of, Broil King? Is that a... Uh, you're thinking of Broil King Onward Manufacturing, one of, one of Onward Manufacturing's many, many, many brands. Uh, uh, Broil Master's made in the United States. Is Broil Master the grill that uh, there is really no temperature setting on it? It's, you turn it on and it's on high regardless? Uh, actually, that was the Holland design. Okay. Holland had an on and off burner control. Uh, this one uh, actually doesn't have that. This one actually has temperature control, so you can set a temperature um, uh, where you want it. So if you want to do the high temperature cooking, you're going to be able to do that. If you want to keep it really low, you can do that as well. So if you're broil master and you've been in business this long and, and technically it's not a name that you traditionally hear about, I see these These are the grills that I see in those specialty places that this uh, Kamado cooker yeah. is probably going to be sold in. How do they? How are they able to exist for so long uh, with something that a lot of people don't hear about? Well, the parent company is Empire Comfort Systems, and they're one of the largest manufacturer of gas uh, fireplace inserts and things like that. Um, they actually don't do a pellet stove, I think, so that's why they haven't come out with a pellet grill yet. Because yeah, it seems like a lot of people that have pellet stoves as the core business decide to bastardize over in the grill pellets. Well, you know, it's so easy to make a great pellet grill. I mean, everybody can do it, and so they all are. Absolutely. <laughs> they are all out there right now. Um, do, do you think, if I'm tying back to that uh, Kamado for a second at a $1,500 price point, is that something that could really stagger? If Let's assume that it's a, a good quality cooker and it's doing everything it's going to say. Is that something that is going to stagger the other cookers that are at the $1,500 or $1, price range then? Um, you know, I, I think there's just going to be a pellet war, personally, um, because there's just it's excess capacity with so many companies manufacturing. I mean, we've gone from, you know, literally one company making pellet grills to now, I think we're closing around 15, 16 point. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's just so much of it out there and it is still a very small portion of the market. I mean, it's less than 2% of the overall outdoor grill market. So, uh, it's too small of a space, I think. And, um, we still have to see, what comes out of England Stoveworks with their um, Fast Eddie pellet grill, which is supposed to be released pretty much any day now. And that's supposed to come in at around $1,000. So given the success that you know the pellet portion of the industry has seen over the last, let's say, five, six years, just playing hypothetical for the last minute, do you think that there'll be a time when you see pellet grills uh, pellet cookers the same way that you see like a Fiesta grill at uh, at uh, Target for ninety nine bucks. You, you think you're going to see like uh, commodity pellet cookers down the line at some point? I don't think you can get the price that low. I think that once you get down to maybe seven hundred dollars, there's just no way to do it. I mean, you've got auger controllers, you've got computer temperature controllers. It's not a, it's not as simple as like a gas grill. It's really easy to make a gas grill. There's not much to it. You need a burner and a valve and some cooking grates, and, and you know you can produce that for a hundred bucks. You're not going to be able to see that in a pellet grill. And you know I've heard people say pellet grills will replace gas grills, and that's just really naive. That's why we have Derek Riches on once a month. You can find him, bbq.about.com. 
Uh, Derek, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll look for you again next month. All right, great. T- good talking to you. Yeah, you got it. Take care. There he is, Derek Riches. I swear I need to get somebody to help me out with my production stuff. I'm going to con my oldest into staying up until 11 o'clock at night so I can just host and not have to produce at the same time. I have like three different things going on now where I have to look around. All right. Uh, Derek Riches, look, if you haven't visited his website, let me back up. Can you believe there's going to be another freaking pellet cooker? That's like two new ones in a year. And like Derek said, these aren't like real easy to make. There's a lot of other items that go into these. (laughs) Welcome. Hey, new pellet grill. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, let me put up this little nugget. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about the longest sponsor of the show located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology, so I'm asking you, why would you buy one from some other company? It's patently ridiculous. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to bore you with the minutia and the detail, but imagine a product, if you will, that allows you to set your pit temperature in one set. It keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life. You can take advantage of this technology today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional. Perhaps you are constantly on the run with the kids doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. I hear you. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple of slabs of spare ribs. Then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. The Barbecue Guru maintains the pit temperature that you set it at. There's currently four different models to choose from. So you know there's one that will fit the budget. You have the ProCom 4 wireless unit that allows you to roam up to 600 feet away from your cooker. You can still make adjustments if you want to. You have that CyberQ2, the DigiQ DX2, and that newest unit, the PartyQ. At $129 for most cookers, only $10 more for ceramics. That PartyQ is the easiest point of entry into pit temperature controlled device land world. It's a self-contained package. It runs on AA batteries easily transportable. It's one of the best items on the market right now when it comes to pit temperature control devices. Now, maybe you're in the market for a cooker. Look no further than the Onyx Oven. The Onyx Oven has been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. It's a fully insulated unit. holds a lot of meat that accommodates half and full pans for food service and works seamlessly with any barbecue guru pit temperature device that you can put on it as well. Now, do yourself a favor. Head on over to bbqguru.com Check out all of their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you are outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or the BBQGuru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're going to come up and wrap the second hour, or wrap the first hour, and then we'll point to the second you are listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs. 
and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living, the women, the whiskey. All right, welcome back. Just about three minutes till the top of the hour. Thanks to Derek Riches. We just vamped, baby, for about 12 minutes on that, and it looked like I had been doing diligent work all the way through. So I appreciate that uh, Derek just showed up for me like that. All right, here's what we're going to do because I want to make sure I have enough room at the top of the hour. So we're just going to go ahead and bone out right now. Uh, When we come back, I will have my cousin Scott Volpe on. We're going to break out of format, do a little uh, juvenile diabetes talk, and then we're back with Meathead to close out to the show. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, you shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole type of movie. <laughs> wow, yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. All right, technically we're not in the second hour, but we're in the second hour, everybody. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com are the two ways to get in touch. Coming up in about two minutes from now, i got my cousin coming on, Scott Volpe. We're going to be talking about uh, juvenile diabetes type 1. The sun has it. I am looking to raise money. So if you want to help, let me do this right now. I'm going to hit up that chat room. Check these guys out. They don't even know what's coming. Copy. Paste. Boom. All right. So I just forwarded a link to the... What do you call this place here that you guys hang out in? Chat room. And... I want you to uh, click on that, read briefly about my uh, nephew cousin, and then please make a donation. Five bucks, six bucks, five hundred dollars. Everybody that makes a donation, and it's trackable, so you can't scam me, creeps. Uh, I will give a prize to. It'll be sauce. It'll be rub. It'll be something just to encourage you. Click on that link, and let's see what we can do over the course of the next hour or so. Uh, to uh, help my uh, homie Ben out and uh, stuff like that. And again, typically, you know, this is more of a uh, uh, how you call barbecue show. Uh, So typically I don't do an interview like right off the top of the second hour, but look, this is important to me. Uh, There is a lot of talk and exposure for type 2 diabetes, but I guess in my instance, I don't usually hear about type 1 as much. So joining me 
now is my cousin Scott. He is uh, he has a son diagnosed with type one. That was two years ago. They're living with it every day. On May six, Scott and his son Ben and the rest of his family will be doing a three mile charity walk in Albany, New York. And tonight, I am looking to help raise some money. If I said about six or seven times uh, already, so hit up that link. We'll race over to the hotline. Welcome, first time to the show, Scott Volpe, Scotty. Gregory, thank you very much. What's up, man? Hey, you know, living the dream, my friend, living the dream. Your dream, my dream, everybody's dream. You're on the Barbecue Central radio show. That's the dream you're talking about. Absolutely, I know that's what you're talking about. Uh, I must congratulate you, first of all, on the weird science drop. That's fantastic. You like that? I do, very much. Any waist bigger than a handful, you're risking a sprained thumb. All right, so look... (laughs) For the people that don't, I guess, know the difference, Scott, I mean, people know there's type 1 and type 2, but the people that don't know the difference between them, if you could just kind of give us a brief explanation of how type 1 and 2 differ. Yeah, sure, certainly. Um, you know, the biggest thing with type 2, obviously, is that it, it typically takes a long time to uh, develop to onset. It's more tied to your diet, exercise, that type of thing, although there's a very heavy genetic component. So um, in some people, they're just predisposed that way. Type 1 is very different in that it has nothing to do with your diet. It has nothing to do with exercise. It's an autoimmune condition where your body really just sort of turns on itself, attacks the pancreas, which makes the, uh, you know, the cells within the pancreas that makes insulin. So what you end up with is a very rapid onset. So a kid who is probably normal, and then as a short period of time goes on, they start to get sick. Uh, they have some sort of unrecognizable symptoms, um, and uh, and then what they ultimately do is, if, if you're unlucky, they get very very sick before you realize it and diagnose it. And what you end up with is a six, seven, eight year old um, who's completely insulin dependent, meaning that without supplementing their insulin, they they wouldn't be able to survive. All right. Sorry, I just ducked myself off there. Uh, Scott, we have kids basically, you know, more or less in the same age range. You know, Ben was six when he was diagnosed. How was Ben presenting to you and Aaron, that's your wife's name, that gave you any type of cause for concern or at least kind of led you guys to think that something maybe wasn't 100% right, you wanted to get him into the doctor and see what's up? Yeah, and that's a real good question because you have an opportunity to help a lot of people who may or may, you know, may come across some of these symptoms, but... Um, let me just say for our situation, we were extremely lucky. Um, I thought originally fluke, fluky, but really grace of God stuff. He was complaining about some vision disturbances, spots in his eyes. And he had a very diligent pediatrician who you know, looked at his eyes, thought everything was okay. And then said, Hey, before you leave, let me just check one more thing. Probably nothing, but he did a, uh, a random finger stick and checked his blood glucose and it was 220 which is high anyway, but he had eaten like four hours before. So um, really that's a big indicator that there's something wrong. And uh, he just, he got turned white and he's, you know, very concerned at that point. Most kids aren't that lucky though. They're going to, they're going to start to have some sort of unexplained weight loss. They're going to be very hungry all the time. They're just going to eat and eat and eat. They'll get very thirsty. Suddenly you have a kid who um, never wet his bed and they're wetting their bed um, and then they're thirsty, so you give them Gatorade or juice or something, which just makes the blood sugar spike, and yeah. then it's cyclical, it makes it worse. And uh, they'll end up in the hospital, the emergency room, maybe incoherent, maybe unconscious with a blood sugar of 900, 
you know, 1100, something like that, where they could be in the position of, of literally dying in this scenario. They'll be in a condition called diabetic ketoacidosis where they're just burning, burning fat cells and creating a toxic situation in their body. And they could be in intensive care and um, spend a week, if they're lucky, in the hospital, and they come out completely insulin-dependent. Scott Volpe joining us here on the show. We're talking about Juvenile Diabetes uh, Research Foundation. They're going to be uh, taking place in a walk May 6th in Albany, New York, uh, all in part for his son who has uh, juvenile diabetes. He's eight-year-old. You know, Scott, I'm sure you remember like it was just five minutes ago when the doctor actually gave you that diagnosis. What's running through your head when that happens? Well, you know, first, yeah, it does feel like it. In- incidentally, it was exactly two years ago on April on April 29th or April 19th, excuse me. We call that D-Day, Diagnosis Day in our house. Um, but, uh, you know, confusion, overwhelming disbelief, that kind of thing. I, you know, I was lucky enough to work with a couple counterparts who unfortunately have children who had type 1. And I remember one of them, um, you know, sort of sharing a, a letter with me, an email, even after this is all being explained to me. I, I, didn't, I didn't grasp the enormity of the situation. And she told me what my new normal daily routine would be, and it, I was—I literally was floored. I was—I was dismissive of it. I was un, unbelieving that it was that big a deal, and that it would take that much effort to manage. I really did not know what I was up against, and uh, you know, my wife was much the same. So let's go ahead and break it down a little bit. You know, what's the routine with Ben now on a daily basis? Yeah, so so on any given day, um, you know, what Ben strives to do is, is really it's an hour-to-hour struggle to manage his blood sugar. Um, he has to, and I say he, but really it's a team effort. It's his mom, it's myself, it's the school nurse, it's our diabetes educator, it's the endocrinologist. Um, we have to basically work as his pancreas for him. So we need to determine any time he's going to eat anything, how many carbohydrates are in what he's going to eat because that's what determines how much insulin you give him. Um, to do that, you need to determine what's the, what blood sugar, what his blood sugar level is. So then um, a lot of type 2 diabetes patients will check their blood sugar maybe two times, maybe three times a day. Ben is not abnormal where he's checking 8, 9, 10. I think today he checked up 12 times today because he felt off during the course of the day. Um, and the challenge is, uh, obviously, you've got to keep the high blood sugars down, but the, the most immediate concern is you give someone too much insulin. And then what happens is they go hypoglycemic or they go low. And uh, that's the really dangerous part. And uh, uh, that's the part that leaves parents up at night, scares the bejesus out of them. Um, you know, what happens if my kid's on the school bus and he goes low? What happened if my kid's in the school and he goes low and no one recognizes what's happening? What happens if he goes low at night while he's sleeping? Um, you know, there's a you know, syndrome called dead in bed syndrome. He could be theoretically go low long enough and not wake up in the morning. Um, that's the kind of thing that drives uh, Aaron and I to do, you know, bed checks every night, uh, multiple times checking his blood sugar on some occasions, uh, at least once every night. Um, and it's an hour-to-hour struggle. And, and you know, I got to tell you, sometimes it just feels like crap. Um, and it's because he's got these rapid, he's got these fluctuations in his blood sugar. And it's just way too much for an eight-year-old to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Volpe joining us here on the show. Uh, Scott is my cousin, uh, so I, uh, his son Ben, I call him my uh, my nephew cousin. 
uh, has been diagnosed with type 1 juvenile diabetes uh, for the past two years, and Scott is relaying uh, some information, you know, some warning signs, uh, how it was diagnosed for his son, what they're up against on a, on a day-to-day basis. Scott, just to bring you up to date here, um, we're probably approaching almost $300 worth just on this segment. I can't even believe it. The Central Lights are coming out in force right now. This is totally awesome. Um, uh, so I just wanted to, to give you a quick update as far as you know what we're looking to do here on the show. Um, for the people that, that might think that they're kind of going down that road or they might know somebody that has a kid that is exhibiting signs as you're, they're listening to you, uh, is there any place that you can refer them to for like website information and stuff like that? Uh, definitely. Great question. Um, you, you know, obviously, if you really suspect that there's an issue, have them call their doctor as soon as possible. Um, that's probably the best advice that I can give you. But if you want to learn more about the condition, um, you know, there's all sorts of tools on the on the Internet. But um, one of the ones that I've found to be the most resourceful for me is the JDRF website. Uh, and it's just JDRF.org. And, um, I mean, they have everything. So whether it's information about the disease, what to look for, um, they also, uh, you, you know, how to get involved in the community. They have basically everything that you would need from that standpoint. Um, you know, hopefully they're not in a situation where they have to look at it from, does my kid have this? Or, you know, do I know someone who looks like they're going down that road? I'll tell you, uh, real quickly, um, Ben's teacher was watching Ben for all of the symptoms of diabetes after he was diagnosed. And right next to Ben was a little girl who was onsetting with this disease, had all the things that Ben was supposed to be showing, excessive thirst, going to the bathroom all the time, losing weight, excessive hunger. Teacher never put two and two together. And shortly thereafter, that girl was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Wow. So even when you're looking for it in someone, you know, it doesn't mean you're always going to see it. But uh, the JDRF is a great website that checks things these things out. All right, JDRF is the website to check that out. Um, I can hear my phone. It's just like blowing up all over the place because people are donating. So this is completely awesome. I'm totally humbled that uh, the central lights are behind us. Uh, just like that. I mean, you know, they don't know you, but, you know, we're showing some pictures of Ben up here um, while we're having the interview. And just to hear you talk about, you know, what's going on with you guys, uh, you know, both you and Aaron, uh, it's completely overwhelming and inspiring all at the same time, Scott. Just, you know, real quick before I let you go, I mean, what's Ben think about it? You know, do you talk to him? You know, does he just think that he's got this, you know, pump in him, that it's helping him, you know, kind of stay healthy? Uh, he's got a positive outlook. Where is he at? Yeah, you know, Ben, uh, he'll tell you he's half robot because he's, you know, tied, tethered <laughs> to this machine that helps keep him alive, uh, which, you know, sometimes it looks pretty cool. But, uh the reality is, you know, he uh, he thinks the whole thing stinks. I mean, his outlook is amazing. He's an amazing kid. He he never asks why me, um, but uh, you know, he he gets sick of getting poked with needles and all that fun stuff. And you know, he's got to go to birthday parties, and we got to really do some work to figure out how how you know can he have a cupcake, um, how much insulin does it take, and so one of us has to be there, that kind of stuff. So he has some limitations, no question, but he handles it like a trooper. Um, when he was diagnosed, his first concern was to let the kids know in his class that this disease was not contagious, oh, that man. they couldn't get it from him. And he really went out of his way to ask his teacher if he could teach them about diabetes. He brought in a teddy bear, showed him where he's going to check the blood sugar, and um, really takes a teaching approach. And even the little girl in his school that has it, he takes sort of a leadership role in helping her. And, and I just, you know, his, his mom and I, we could not be more proud of the way that he handles it. 
Um, he's not aware of all the ramifications of uncon- poor, poorly controlled blood sugar, um, but we are, and uh, we do our best to shield him from that because uh, he's, you know, at the end of the day, even though his day isn't like a kid's day, he's still right. a kid, but uh, he's an amazing little guy. Scott Volpe joining me here on the show. Again, the website, if you want to get more information, jrdf.org. If you want to read a little bit about Ben and uh, help out uh, after the show, if you're getting us on podcast, go to the website, thebbqcentralshow.com slash Ben's dash Avengers, and uh, you can read a little bit about Ben there. And then if you feel obligated or not obligated, but if you feel like it's a, a charitable donation that you want to get behind, uh, we certainly would love to have you. You can hyperlink right over to the personal page that I sent up over on uh, JDRF.org as well. And uh, we'll go from there. Scott, I appreciate the time tonight, man. Um, I know it's kind of a, a personal subject, but uh, you know whatever I can do to help you know that I'm always there for you. And uh, it looks like the Central Lights have really turned out in force uh, to uh, kind of help support, even though they can't be there for the walk on May 6th. You know, if we can do it financially, uh, that's what we're here for. Uh, so thanks for coming out tonight and sharing the story, man. Hey, Greg, and uh, to the Central Lights, listen, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, your support is o- overwhelming, um, and, and you know we've seen similar support from friends and family and friends of friends and friends of family and family of friends and coworkers, and it's just been unbelievable to see that kind of support behind us. So I just want to give a really heartfelt thank you to, to you and your efforts and, and all of your supporters of the show. Uh, obviously, your fans are doing something right if they're just going to step up and help us out and uh, – uh, I really can't say thank you enough. Um, I will also say that if we didn't raise a nickel tonight, just having this discussion and raising awareness for the situation um, would be worth it. And uh, if anybody out there who um, does not feel like they want to donate, uh, you know that that's that's fine. I we are happily accepting prayers uh, in, in place of donations. So thank you so much, Greg. I really really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody. You got it, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right, you got it. There he is. It's my cousin Scott. Appreciate you guys letting me uh, get outside the box on that one. Uh, I did feel that it was kind of a, an important topic. Uh, and, and there there will be one other kind of, uh, I don't want to call it like a fundraiser type uh, deal, but uh, we're going to do that with uh, at some point this year with Scotty Johnson because, uh, you know, CancerSuckChicago.com is a big, important uh, foundation for me as well uh, and the show as well. So and I know you guys are behind that one too. So uh, thanks again for Scott and uh, – I'm kind of trying to hold it together here because of all the the, the great positive donations that you guys are are making here. Uh, So let me uh, struggle through this uh, live read real quick. Uh, And it's going to be for this guy right here. Oh, wait. Well, we know who that was from, right? All right, gang, look. If you're like me, then you are always trying to think of a way to step up your barbecue and grilling game. And there's no better or easier way than to do that by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. Now, you need some validation before you need to head over to butchersbarbecue.com to order. Fine. How about the last three winners of the Houston Livestock Barbecue Competition? Uh, all have used and won with Butcher's Barbecue. Top teams in KCBS, FBA, IBCA, they all use Butcher's Barbecue products. How about the fact that the pitmaster of Butcher's Barbecue uses Butcher Barbecue products? All that did was get him third overall in the KCBS Team of the Year for 2011. Need I say more? Now, we all know that Butcher's is well-known for the regular borf, borf, hello, pork and beef injections. Well, the Prime Injection, which has combined all the things loved with their beef injection, using its award-winning flavor enhancer and its ability to keep your juicy briskets, 
They have combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. It's what Dave uses the competitions available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Now, perhaps you are looking for a go-to rubber sauce. Friends, you've hit the mother load here as well. Butcher's Barbecue has a full line of award-winning rubs. One of my first personal favorites is that steak and brisket rub. But I love honey rub. And, of course, that uh, premium rub. Use that, especially if you inject with Butcher's, because it is formulated to work with the injection. It's a perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. Last but not least, I can't say enough about that Butcher's Barbecue Sweet Barbecue Sauce. It is simply my favorite sauce on the market, whether it be mass-produced or a custom-based sauce. It's not overwhelmingly sweet. It's got a nice slice of tang, just that right amount of back-end heat and no liquid smoke, which I appreciate and adore. No worries on breaking the bank when it comes to shipping either. Dave has really somehow uh, brutalized the USPS, banged them down for great shipping rates. Orders $55 or less, ship at $7. That's right, only $7 for $55 or less. And, of course, $56 and up, it ships at $9. It's all cheap. Forget about it. Get six bottles of sauce and a case of rub and 20 pounds of injection. It's going to ship for no more than $56. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up now. ButcherBBQ.com. Butcher's Barbecue. Always trust your butcher. All right, we're a little late. I apologize that uh, for that, but I know uh, Meathead will certainly appreciate that and uh, give me room. But we'll make it up to him on the back end. Uh, we're coming back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are coming back here. I got to get Meathead. told him to get me the mute sooner. Now I'm forced to try and do 20 different things at the same time. Is this going to work? I need ribs, ribs you know this song, right? Day. I need to find time this uh, to song just happens to be on the Billboard Top 10. What happened, Meathead? Try that again. Probably pulling too much bandwidth for uh, you can't hurry ribs, I'm sure. All right, uh, now where's my thing for Meathead? All right, let me turn this down just a little. My guest in the second hour, and to close out the show, a crowd favorite. He runs the most successful and heavily trafficked website when it comes to barbecue and grilling on the planet. He graciously donates his time here on the show to vent about issues that are pertinent to the industry every month. A man who needs no introduction, but went ahead and wrote and recorded his own theme song, which you're hearing right now. You know him as Meathead, ladies and gentlemen. Meathead, how are you, bud? Great, Greg. How's the Cleveland Cavalier of Barbecue tonight? Uh, I am fourth worst overall, if you didn't know. 
Yeah, you're looking mighty clean shaven tonight. Yeah, well, you know, I got to work, so uh, we like to keep the clean face, if at all possible, whenever we can. Uh, Meathead, I apologize for uh, running a little bit late, but I know you uh, certainly can appreciate the uh, effort that I was trying I to do last segment. S- I- I certainly do. I certainly do. You can find Meat at AmazingRibs.com. You can also follow him on the Twitter at RibGuy, and you can find him on Facebook as well. So we, we were kind of corresponding. We missed last month. You were you know, traveling to all of the magical places like Egypt and France, uh, Africa, <laughs> Points West. And uh, we were kind of working on uh, some theme. Well, I guess it kind of evolved into a theme, but some topics that we could kind of talk on. So here's a theme of buyer beware. We're talking about beef. We're talking about uh, Wagyu and Kobe and pink slime. But let's start there, if we could, because it really hit the news quite a bit. This pink slime, uh, from what I understood, you're taking pretty much whole carcasses of dead animals, you're throwing them in a centrifuge, it's breaking them apart, and then somehow it, you, there's ammonia put on it, it's colored, it's sent, it's mixed in, and now you have burger. What the hell is going on over here? Well, as I understand it, and I've spent some time looking into it, it's not centrifuged, um, but uh, that's a different kind of uh, mechanically uh, separated beef. But this is when they're butchering a, ho- a hog or a cow or a chicken or fish or anything, they, it's really expensive to waste. And, you know, foodies today are really interested in this whole concept of farm to fork, of respecting the meat, uh, of... Um, uh, eating everything from the tail to the squeal. Uh, well, in a sense, that's what's going on here. When they slaughter a cow, they, or a steer, I think is the appropriate term, um, they want to scrape all the meat off the bones. They don't want to leave any meat there. And, and that means they go into the back of the skull where there's a bunch of meat collected right where the head joins the spine and the cheeks and they use machinery to scrape it out of there <laughs> and um, um, uh, you know you, you said centrifuge and I said that was wrong but you're right actually because they then centrifuge the meat at about 100 degrees Fahrenheit to separate the fat so they end up with really lean <laughs> but very finely mushed meat and they're concerned that because it's so small that it could get contaminated with E. coli or salmonella or one of the many other bacterial problems that are out there. So they hit it with an ammonia gas. And when the ammonia gas hits it, uh, it turns into uh, another ammonia compound. And that just really grates on our cultural sensibilities, eating ammonia. Um, you know, we eat a lot of funny stuff when we eat chicken McNuggets and potato chips and, you know, a lot of our food products, processed foods have some pretty strange things in there. I mean, we all, uh, uh, I mean, sorbate and, uh, glycol and, uh, which are preservatives, glycerol, dihydrogen oxide. Oh, that's water. Um, uh, ethanol, um, all kinds of funky chemicals in our food. Ammonia, we just don't like that idea. And USDA says it's safe, but do you trust them? 
Um, the answer is, is there's um, a really easy solution. Don't buy anything labeled ground beef or hamburger. If it's labeled ground beef or hamburger, it can have pink slime in it. If it's labeled ground sirloin or ground chuck, those are muscle meats and they can't have pink slime in them. What about, what about uh, ground so, round? Pardon? What about ground round? Round is uh, from the hip and below. That's the yeah. That's, that's the butt muscle. All right. And yeah, that's uh, that's 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 going to be pure ground uh, ground meat. Uh, it's not going to be pink slimed. So just stay away from if if it if it offends you if it concerns you, um, and if you lead a perfectly pure life, if you don't eat potato chips, if you don't eat processed foods, if you don't eat bologna, and if you don't eat salami then avoid ground beef or hamburger, something with those two words on the label. Otherwise, it's just another damn food additive, which is what is in all of our, all of our foods. All right, so let's be honest um, here. Let me, let me uh, stop you for one second. Yeah. If, if, I, if I am not misunderstanding, obviously this really got a lot of light shed on it over the last three weeks or four weeks or whatever. But, I mean, hasn't this been in the meat like, for a long time and it's just now coming up i mean it's not like people were keeling over left and right and dying and vomiting blood out of their eyes or anything like that <laughs> well i mean nobody has ever gotten sick from the ammonia gas being used to um pasteurize the meat people have gotten sick from e coli and salmonella it's been around um at least uh, a decade or so um, and uh, as I say, USDA says it's safe. Um, it's in trace amounts. Um, we eat other products that have natural ammonia products in them. Um, you know, it's like um, everybody gets all upset about hot dogs that have nitrates and nitrites in them. Well, spinach has nitrates and nitrites in them. Um, you know, um, it's really complicated stuff, and most of us are just too late to really understand it. Uh, you either lead a chaste life and you eat nothing but fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables and meats, or you they eat stuff that they add to our food. And, uh, you know, the, the real issue here, Greg, and it, it can continue on to the rest of our conversation, is labeling. It's disclosure. I want to know what's in my product. If this has got – if I buy hamburger or ground beef and it's got – pink slime the correct term is lean finely textured beef lftb then say it on the label and then i have the choice it's a free market choice i can choose whether i want it or not um but uh you know it it, it, it goes to i mean we're going to talk in a little bit about wagyu which is also a, a labeling question prime rib which is a labeling question certified angus all right, now let's not, not blow our wad angry. all in one felt swoop here. Well, let's ease into this. Let's take our time and romance the topics. Now, the, the other thing I just heard yesterday in keeping with this pink slime thing is a sushi scrape. So for people that think, well, I eat fish and I eat sushi and I'm better than you and go fuck yourself, <laughs> perhaps the wool is being pulled over their eyes too with this sushi scrape. It's like the pink slime of uh, sushi. Well, it's a little different. I don't believe it's getting hit with um, ammonia gas, but it is um, – it's 
fish meat that's scraped off the bone. So it's kind of like ground fish. It's not whole muscle meat. Whole muscle meats in general are fairly safe. Um, not entirely, but um, you know, it's when you start grinding things up that any microbes on the surface get on down into the inside of it and they can be uh, hazardous to your health. So scrape is another thing. I think people are just starting to wake up to the fact that our industrial, commercial, factory food system, which gives us mass quantities of delicious, cheap food and feeds our country and the poor uh, around the world, has some problems. It's not exactly um, pure, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of finding out, like finding out that your wife had 43 boyfriends before you got married, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's shaking a lot of people's faith and confidence. I think we're going to be spending a lot of time, you and I and the rest of us, uh, looking at our food supply over the next few years how the food gets to our table. But at the bottom line here is how is it labeled? I, I, you know, just tell me what I'm buying and I got no problem with it. If we're talking about wives having 47 lovers and <laughs> the next question. I wasn't speaking to you particularly. No, Greg, I no, swear. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's my thought. It's your fault if you didn't ask the right questions when you guys were going out to uncover how many people she might have bed down. Likewise, it's your fault or, well, obviously it's a little bit different here, but is it just a matter of us asking questions on where all of this stuff is coming from now? Or to me, it would seem maybe a little bit more complicated. And then is there government that's going to have to get involved? And then this is big business stuff. So ultimately that all gets kind of washed out and you kind of never hear about it again all of a sudden. Yeah, the, the problem is, is, Who's got the time to really study this? I do because I make my living at it, which is why we're talking about it. Right. But you guys out there, the folks in the chat room, the listeners out there, they got real jobs. Yep. They, uh, they don't have time to make a study of our food supply. And what makes it through to the popular media, I was a journalism major in college. Uh, I mean, you do your best as a reporter. I work for the Washington Post and Chicago Tribune. You work hard to get the facts and get them straight. But science reporting is really hard nowadays. It's not like it was uh, 50 years ago. Science is, I mean, we're talking about really complicated issues here. And the media often gets it wrong. The media often gets it sensationalized. Often they get it right. You've got to go to good sources. New York Times has been true as an arrow on a lot of these subjects. Um, and, and there are other sources. Uh, Marion Nestle, or Nestle, M-A-R-I-O-N-N-E-S-T-L-E. I forget her website, but Google her. Follow her. Sign up for her stuff. She is on top of and a great inter. She's a... Um, uh, molecular biologist by trade, but she actually writes in English, and she knows what's going on in the in, in the world of food supply and food politics. It's really um, an issue of t concern today. I want to know what's in my food. I want it labeled. When I buy butter, I want it to be 100% butter. I don't want 25% lard mixed in. I mean, when you buy Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. It can be 25% anything else. Right. 
it can be 75% Cabernet and 25% anything else. When I buy Maine lobsters, I want them to come from Maine, not from Saudi Arabia. Um, when I buy champagne, I want it to come from the Champagne District of France. When I buy Kobe beef, am I getting ahead of myself here? Yes, I of course you come, are. But look, here's an interesting point made by uh, one of the smartest beef men that I know and sponsor the show, Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. Uh, and this makes utter sense to me. It is simplistic and it is right on point. With the rise of human numbers, the beef industry has less beef in the U.S. We must feed more with less. So what's the best way to do that? Figure out some way to uh, uh, supplement the true beef with something that might be like beef to make more with less. Well, I mean, uh, pig slime, or more correctly called lean, finely textured beef, is a viable product as long as they do their research, they're careful, they make sure it's safe, and just label it so that ground beef and hamburger will therefore likely to be cheap because many people who can afford to buy ground sirloin or ground chuck or ground round will pay a little bit more for these whole muscle meats to be um, uh, comfortable uh, and those who can't afford it um, will buy the lessers and we've just got to make sure that our government has the resources to make sure that these products are in fact safe if they've been treated with ammonia. You know, there is something else you can do at home. Um, uh, this is an inch. Um, a lot of people say, well, I have great confidence in my butcher. Well, you're not in the back room. The, a great source of contamination and other problems happens in that back room. And um, even a really good butcher can end up with uh, compromised equipment if they don't clean that meat grinder on a regular basis. But what I love to do is I'll go down to my um, butcher and I'll go to the meat counter and I'll pick out a nice big chunk of chuck meat and I'll look at it and I like 80-20 blend in my burger and I'll make sure it's about 80-20 fat and lean to fat ratio and I'll hand it to the butcher and I say, will you grind that for me? Sure, no problem. And he goes in the back and grinds it for me. I come out with really fresh ground. Now, it doesn't mean it's not been contaminated on his grinder. Hopefully it hasn't. But I come back with really fresh, um, really well made. And if there is a contamination, chances are it's a very low level. There's another way to do it. And that is grind it yourself. And before you grind it, get a pot of water boiling and take that chuck steak and dunk it in the pot of water for 10, 20, maybe 30 seconds at the most. I most won't of hear of it. No way. Forget it. Yes. Yeah, it won't, it won't hurt the meat. It'll, 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 it'll pasteurize the outside, which is where the contamination could be. Then you grind it. You'll never know it has just been dunked for 20 seconds. It's not really cooked. Um, and you've, killed, you, you've pasteurized it. You've pasteurized the meat. Now you can grind it up. And now serve it medium rare. Serve it rare. It's safe. Because you've killed everything on the outside while you're grinding nothing right. but succulent. Before uh, you're grinding. Right. And you've, you've taken away all the contamination that you're now grinding That's in on top it. of each other. Uh, all right. Um, let's start this topic here before we go to break in about two minutes, which is uh, prime rib not being prime rib. What is that all about? Well, um, 
prime, as probably all your readers and listeners know, is a grade of beef. The uh, inspectors come in and they look between the bones of the rib. Uh, I forget, 12th or 13th bone, I forget. But they, they look between the bones and they look at the marbling in the meat, in the ribeye. And they say, ha, this is really heavily marbled. Ha, this is not a really old cow. We'll call this a prime uh, cut. Or rather, we'll call this meat prime. Um, they look at it and they say, eh, pretty good marbling, but not a great deal. We'll call it choice. And the, and the, and the general scale is prime, which is your highest, choice, which is just below it, and then um, select, which is just below that. Um, prime rib is usually just a big roast from where the ribs are attached. It's ribeye, essentially, only in a, in a long tube. Um, and um, it is not necessarily prime grade. In fact, most of the time it isn't. In fact, rarely is it prime grade. It's called prime rib because these big muscle sections were called primals. The chuck is a primal. The rib is a primal. Um, so um, it, it's called prime rib. But a lot of people think they're buying prime beef, that is the grade, USDA-grade prime beef, and they're not. In fact, it can be select. It can be very low marbling and a low quality. And I would say the vast majority of what we buy labeled prime rib is not prime grade. All right, so basically what we're talking about here uh, as we'll continue on is this seems to be like a, 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 a marketing effort where I'm going to tell you this is what it is. You're going to hear people talk about it. You might see it on some television shows with some big-name talking head chefs also mention it. So now you go into the grocery store and you want prime this or whatever, and it's not actually that, but because the guy across the counter is telling you that's what it is, you're feeling good, and you go on your merry way, and you think you've gotten over on somebody when, in fact, somebody's gotten over on you. Well, I mean, the, the, the word prime rib is a generic term, but prime grade is actually controlled by government. So if you go in and say, I want prime rib, prime grade, and he sells you something that is not, technically he is in violation of the law. Um, or his supplier is. If you really want prime grade meat, a lot of butchers can order it. I mean, people think it's only going to restaurants, but a lot of times if you go to your butcher in advance and say, I'd like a prime, USDA prime, prime rib, they'll say, okay, I'll order it for you. I can, can't have it for a week, but when, you know, and here's the price, it's, you know, ar an arm and a leg, but uh, they'll get it for you often. Now, you know, I mean, probably they can't do it at uh, uh, some of the big mass butchers or something. But uh, my neighborhood butcher can usually do that for me. Meathead Goldwyn is talking to us right here. AmazingRibs.com is his website. And uh, we will pick up the conversation here in just a second. Uh, let me quickly tell you guys about somebody here as soon as I pull up their... There she is. We just talked to her a little bit earlier, Candy Weaver from Barbecuers Delight. You know, I've got my mitts on a pellet cooker. First thing I thought of right out of the bot, you got to call Barbecuers Delight. Why? Because they're widely considered to be the pellet resource for pellet-fired cookers. That's right. Whether on the competition trail or in your backyard, folks who choose Barbecuers Delight wood pellets more than any other brand for their superior quality and flavor. And you should give them a try as well. You can find them at BBQRS Delight. Now, maybe you don't have a pellet cooker. No problem. 
You can still take advantage of the pellet revolution on your gas or charcoal grill or smoker by grabbing the cast iron pot option. Buy yourself a nice sampler pack of pellets, load one-third cup into the pot, and then place it in your cooker or grill. Let that sweet succulent smoke take care of the rest. Now, maybe you're not familiar with pellets. Let me give you a little insight here. When pellets are made, all of the air within that cellular structure of the wood is evacuated, thus concentrating the wood into a very dense form, much denser than natural trees. And as compared to other wood flavor enhancers, pellets will yield a more intense smoke more quickly, which seals the food, locking in natural moisture and adding smoke flavor exactly when it's needed. Now, since pellets have been processed from sawdust by pressure, that generates heat and any contaminants present in the wood are eliminated, kind of like dunking that meat in hot water like meatheads. This process produces a sterile, smoking wood product of consistent quality. Pellets are easy to use since you don't have to soak them in water prior to use, and it's easy to blend wood flavor and produce, I'm sorry, produce consistent results each and every time with the use of barbecuers or light wood pellets. Now, here's something that you have to remember. If you're just ordering the one-pound flavor bags, that's 100% flavor wood. But if you have a pellet cooker like me or a lot of the other people out there, it's a little bit different. Candy and the folks at Barbecuers Delight have determined that a blend of two-thirds oak and then one-third flavor wood is the optimum way to go to ensure great smoke flavor, but giving you that consistent high BTU temperature burn that you need during the cook. Now, do yourself a favor. Go grab some Barbecuers Delight pellets right now. Visit them at bbqrsdelight.com. That's bbqrsdelight.com. Check out all the flavors they have. Stop fussing with the sticks and the chunks. Barbecuers Delight, the choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks like me all over the country. BBQRSDelight.com. Right, we'll come right back with Meathead. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back talking with Meathead about uh, mislabelings pretty much is what it's boiling down to here uh, more or less tonight. Uh, Meathead, thanks for joining me and hanging with me through the break there. Um, One of the other things that I wanted to talk about, uh, and I I would talk about certified Angus beef, but I think that topic was covered in rare form at the end of last year by uh, Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue. Unless you have... Yeah, I heard that. He knows his stuff. Absolutely. So... There is, of course, this, uh, we heard it was Kobe beef, and then uh, Myron Mixon on Pitmasters was bringing in Wagyu briskets, and then that really seemed to kick up quite a stir, and everybody wants Wagyu beef or uh, American Kobe Wagyu. Uh, Wagyu's not Wagyu. It's not Kobe. Another mislabeling thing here? I mean, what are we talking? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we have, for example, in wine, you've got varietal labeling laws, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir. There must be a minimum amount of them in them. Kobe is a type of beef that comes from Japan, only a small region of Japan um, where the city of Kobe is the capital of this little region, Um uh, there's a, a breed of cattle called the Tajima Gyu uh, cow or cattle. And um, it's particularly well suited to its climate. It's particularly well suited to uh, the feed that's available there. And it makes incredibly marbled meat. It's really weird stuff. Um, it's like half meat, half butter. 
it's really an extraordinary taste, but you really can't eat a lot of it. Um, Wagyu means just Japanese beef, and there's uh, no way of knowing for sure that... Well, let me back up. Let me back up. In, in two, there's a really good article that covers this in Forbes. Uh, go to Forbes.com. The author is a guy named Olmsted, and um, uh, he, re he covered it this week by calling it the greatest scam um, on the U.S. public. Uh, I've been writing about it for years, as I've been writing about don't buy um, ground beef and uh, hamburger. Um, but it's, it's, it's really splashed in the Forbes piece. And he really does a great job of explaining the issues. But Kobe beef is a specific type of beef from the town of Kobe or the surrounding area. And it's extraordinary and it's rare and it's only from this area. And it doesn't taste like anything grown anywhere else in the world. doesn't taste anything like it. And beginning in 2010, and hoof and mouth disease was discovered in Japan in a small number of cattle they ban Japanese imports into the U.S. So there is no Kobe beef imported in the U.S. since 2010. There used to be like two little websites that you could order it from at huge expense because it was shipped fresh. Oh. It was shipped on ice. And the, the stuff was just as good as in Japan. Here in the U.S. and in New Zealand and uh, Australia and other places... They have Japanese breeds of beef. Maybe they're the Tajima Gyu cattle. Maybe they're another breed of cattle. And they're just called Wagyu. Um, and they're grown in the U.S. And in general, they tend to be very heavily marbled, more marbled than prime beef. Um, and um, Wagyu beef has really caught on the barbecue circuit for brisket, which can be very lean. And so if you get this Wagyu brisket, it's pretty surprisingly marble. Uh, uh, and uh, it can really make your brisket tender and juicy. It, it costs a lot of money. But the problem here, again, is labeling. There's no real control over what's called Kobe or Wagyu. I mean, my neighborhood pub serves Wagyu burgers. Right. It's a lie. Yep. Um, there's, uh, pardon me, they serve Kobe burgers. It's a lie. Wagyu burgers, they may be serving, but I mean, why bother? I mean, you know, the, the stuff is already ground up. It's already pre-chewed. It's already tenderized. <laughs> I mean, that's just a terrible waste of money. The reason to buy this richly marbled meat is because as a whole muscle, it's so tender and juicy and unctuous. And, uh, it's really special. I mean, you guys out there who compete, you know that there's, um, what's the place up in Idaho? Um, Snake River. Snake River, thank you. And, uh, 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 oh gosh, I'm getting to be an old man. I'm drawing a blank. There's a place in Texas I bought there. Stroob Ranch. Stroob, thank you. God, you're good, man. Uh, Big <laughs> Papa Smokers sells it to me. Uh, really great stuff. We don't even know for sure. I mean, they'll assure us that it's Japanese cattle. It probably isn't Kobe cattle. You know, you end up, bottom line, you end up trusting the brand. Strew brand. 
I trust you. I'll buy your meat. I don't care what it's called. I trust you. I mean, it's the same way with wines often. I mean, we talk about wine, you and I, Greg, because we're both winos. Yes. Um, uh, by the way, I'm drinking uh, some really nice Fonseca. Uh, Ooh, I love a good Fonseca. Night. Mm. Nice uh, tawny port. Um, so if I trip over my tongue, there's the explanation. Got it. It's my excuse. Um, <laughs> it, again, comes down to labeling. And the, the best thing we can do is, okay, Fonseca Bin 27. Fonseca Bin 27 has been around, I don't know, 100 years. It's always reliable. Whenever you want a good tawny port, you can count on it because I trust Fonseca. I trust Strew Brands. I trust Snake River. Um, whether it's really Japanese breed of power or not, who the hell knows? It sounds like it's almost to a degree like buying a car. You you know you're yes. going to get screwed in some yes. way, and the bottom line is this is what I tell everybody when you're going to buy a car. You know everybody's going to tell you how to go do it and blah blah blah. The bottom line is this: at the end of the day, if you're walking out and you feel like you've gotten a good deal, then you have to be happy with that. And you walk out, and I mean, who knows? Maybe they really jammed you up. Maybe you uh, were able to make money off of them. Whatever the case may be, but if you feel like you paid a good price and you got a good deal, in the end, that's just got to be good enough for you. I think so. I think we, I mean, we are brand conscious in this country, justifiably or not. You pick brands that you trust. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. All right, uh, Meathead, let's move along to the new muscle that was pulled from the shoulder clod that ah. was introduced last week called the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, you know, there's Boston Strip. There's, of course, a very famous New York Strip. Now he has a Las Vegas Strip, which almost sounds like the actual street that you would go down uh-uh. and see all these great yeah. things. What is what is this all about? Well, this what's going on now is that um, the meat producers, the slaughterhouses, are trying to find ways to take more money from us. Um, and so they're rooting around on the carcass looking for mussels. And uh, a, uh, a guy named uh, Dr. Antonio Mata. Um, he's a, a food scientist from uh, Texas. Um, really nice guy, by the way. He also is a consultant to me on my website. He found a muscle. He was part of you know, the flat iron is another one. Whoever heard of a flat iron 10 years ago? They found the flat iron here in the uh, shoulder clod. Well, he found another muscle in the shoulder clod. And it's not enough to find a muscle. You've got to find a way to extract it efficiently. But it's a really nice muscle. It's, um, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 inches long, about 4 or 5 inches wide, only about 3 quarters of an inch thick in the center, tapers a little on the edges. But it's out of the shoulder. It's a solid muscle. It's got no gristle in it. You know, even the flat iron has a strip of gristle down the center. Really tender, really meaty, really juicy. And um, it grows up beautifully. And um, he just introduced it last week at a uh, show here in Chicago um, uh, on Meat Innovations, I think it was called. And um, he named it the Las Vegas Strip. So you can look for this. It's a nice muscle, it's, and it grows up really well. Two or three people you can feed off of one of them. So you can look forward to this. It just introduced last week. And I think if you Google... Las Vegas Strip, you'll find out some more information about it. Is this something that we're um, going to be able to find, like a, a meat number? Like you have that 
meat chart, and if you say, hey, I want a tri-tip, and they're like, what the hell is that? And you said, well, it's part 2673 on the cow or whatever. Yeah, well, the, the, the those numbers are called the NAMP, N-A-M-P numbers. That's the North American Meat Processors Guide, and it's a great book. If you're serious about meat, go to Amazon and spend, what, 70, 80 bucks on this, but it it gives all the legal definitions of each cut. I don't think it'll show up in the NAMP guide for a year or two, but it, it'll show up in there eventually. I think Flatiron is in there now. I like Flatiron myself. It's very cheap, and I can feed my daughters with it, and they don't yeah. uh, sit there yeah. and bitch about well, it, low it's cost. It's really a piece of chuck. In fact, I'm working on my chili recipe, and I went down to the grocery at today to get some chuck to use my chili recipe and uh there was a piece of flat iron laying there labeled as chuck well i mean flat iron generally sells for a lot more than uh, a chuck but i guess my neighborhood grocer didn't realize what he had he just cut this muscle out and called it chuck but it's a nice cut of it's really tender it's just got this big strip of gristle down the center you just eat around it but i want to go back you said that the CAB or the, the Certified Angus Beef has been covered really well. Yeah. I just want to cover it in 30 seconds yep. in case people didn't hear it. But the Certified Angus Beef Organization is a trade association, and their goal is to create a market for their meat. And they created a brand called Certified Angus Beef. And it's interesting about it where the um, the the, the the deception is, is that it's not necessarily Angus, even though it says certified. Um, the real control is that it must have black hide. Well, most cattle that have black hides have some Angus in their lineage, but it, you know, because it's dominant gene, I think. But it can have all kinds of other stuff in it. It's really a meaningless designation. The only really meaningful aspect of it is that CAB or certified Angus beef must be minimum choice grade. So, like, if you're looking for a brisket and you don't want to spend prime or wagyu, if you buy a certified Angus beef, it'll be at least choice. And I wouldn't cook a brisket that was less than choice. You'll just likely end up with leather. I don't care what you inject into it. So CAB does guarantee you a minimum of choice grade. Of course, USDA labeling can do the same. All right, but uh, there's maybe no Angus in this cow whatsoever. Minute and 15 seconds left. Your favorite cut of beef after all this beef huh? and slime <laughs> and sushi scrape and all that crap. Uh, obviously, uh, prime rib is not prime rib. What's the favorite cut of beef? I've heard you ask this of everybody, and they all say ribeye. Hell yes. That's fabulous. Bone-in ribeye. Let me suck on the bone. That sounded bad. I'm going to say something else. All right, go. I'm going to say the spinalis dorsi. <laughs> now, what the hell is spinalis? Sounds, sounds like the neck. When you cut a ribeye, think about a ribeye. You've got this round muscle in the center. That's the longissimus, and it runs along the spine. But there's this little crescent piece of meat. There's a layer of fat separating it from the longissimus, and it almost always is overcooked. It's almost always well done. It's almost always, eh, 
if you get rib roast, you can peel that muscle off. And if you look at it carefully, it looks like Kobe. It is so heavily marbled, so rich, so succulent, succulent. <laughs> it is so delicate. And, and, and so it's a part of the ribeye. But if you get a, next time you buy a rib roast, everybody will love having that center round piece called the eye of the ribeye. You slip that outer crescent cut up. If you slip it off the whole roast, it's sort of shaped like a salmon fillet. Narrow at one, wide at one end. It's amazing. It's just utterly amazing. Grill that up and just melt in your pants. Melt in my pants? Uh-oh. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bartender, pour me another one. This guy's Get had enough. enough. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, well, we didn't get to it uh, tonight. That's right. Uh, absolutely. Um, we didn't get to it tonight. But so uh, next month, we will lead with uh, mopping, spritzing, and basting. However, oh yeah, let me uh, let me ask you this. We'll talk about that next month, no problem. Let me ask you this: you know, you go on and on, meathead, about this guy over on the west coast, and he's real radio and blah blah blah. Caters to new oh, guys. God. How long did that say, tell the people? How long did that son of a bitch have you on his radio show for exactly? Tell me right now. Oh, how did you how did you learn about this? I listened to it after you told me. Uh, he's a great guy, um, and he really does good radio. And the answer is and he, he had you on for five minutes. Five minutes. Outrageous. I just had I you on for... up against the back end. Oh, that sounds uh, terrible. I, I, we're feuding now. I'm pissed at him, and he's pissed at me for being pissed at him. Outrageous. I just had you on for 47 not, minutes. not as good as you, Greg. Of course Nobody's not. Well, if, that's all I was looking for. Thank you, Mika. All right, uh, Meathead, I'm cutting you loose, uh, but next month it is mopping, spritzing, and basting at a minimum, and then we'll work on good some stuff. other stuff from there. All right, have New a good night, Meathead. research on the subject. Take care. There he is, Meathead. As always, a, a fabulous guest talking about a number of different items. <laughs> I, I believe he just fessed up to uh, having one too many. <laughs> Habits of the best of us. Sometimes you get the uh, tawny port flu, I believe is what it's called. All right, uh, Chris Grove from Nibble Me This just referenced this uh, next read. This is a public service announcement going out to all of the centralites here, so uh, stay tuned for this as I have to quickly find all of my buttons. There he is, Stephen DeFranco, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Look, being married to a barbecue maniac can be trying. Think about all these nonsense a barbecue wife has to put up with. You know, a few examples, we talk about them each and every week. You're always making a huge mess in the kitchen. All you think about is barbecue with your books, your TV shows. Hell, some of you actually tune in live to a internet radio show every Tuesday from 9 to 11. Uh, to you, your stinky clothes of smoke smell great. Uh, to your significant other, not so much. They kind of stink up the house. Exactly how many years has she been putting up with this? Probably too many to count. The spice cabinet full of jars of rubs and spices. Some have probably turned by now. You know, when was the last time you bought her a new piece of jewelry? Call Steve at Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. He can help. Heck, he has got to get himself out of trouble sometimes with his wife because of his own barbecue addiction, so he knows exactly what you're talking about. Now, whether you participate in competition barbecue or you just barbecue to have fun like me, taking care of your wife by showing her how much you love her with a beautiful 
diamond anniversary ring from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is just the ticket for allowing you to continue to mess up the kitchen with all your barbecue insanity. And I know what you're thinking of, Centralites. You're thinking this is way too much. You're going to break the bank. You're going to ruin plans for the new grill or smoker. The diamond anniversary rings from Stephen DeFranco, very affordable, starting at under 500 bucks. Not only does Steve have great stock and quality, but if you go to stephendefranco.com, you can see lots of great styles and the really great, pri- really great prices to boot. Now, as always, Steve is very special barbecue brother and sister deal just for you. Here's how it works. You go to stephendefranco.com. You pick out a new diamond anniversary ring. Then you call Steve, 440-943-2700, 440-943-2700. Tell him you're a barbecue brother or sister. He'll give you an extra 50 bucks off the already discounted price of the watch. And he'll ship it to you for free. You can save that money. You can take your wife out to a non-barbecue dinner for crying out loud. Again, ask for Steve directly after you go to stephendefranco.com. 440-943-2700. That's 440-943-2700. You'll be happy you did it, and your wife will be more than happy. And as we all know, my uh, saying, happy wife, happy life. We'll be back to wrap the show up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Brian Mayer, host of Hot Sauce Weekly. And you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, uh, wrapping up here a couple minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, so I apologize for running long, but well worth it. Both uh, the second-hour guests brought it really strong. Let me go to the email here real quick, see where we're at. What do we got here? All right. We are... I want to get into my email real quick. Uh... Come on. There we go. Oh, Lord. I just want to see where my page is. Here we go. Uh, personal page. Let's get a update, if you can believe it or not. You've got to be freaking kidding me, right? Here we go. Tonight's uh, outrageous kind of spontaneous fundraiser for my cousin Scott's kid, Ben, who is uh, type 1 diabetic. $510, more than uh, we are 63% to goal. Uh, I had a goal of $800, believe it or not. And we more than uh, more than got 50, uh, 50%, 63% to be exact. So um, let me take some time here, just a couple seconds, and say, look, you know, I could sit up here and do uh, an, an event every week or event every month or whatever. And, you know, typically that's not what the show is about. Um, there are some very uh, innate causes that I feel very passionately about that I will put on, uh, but it'll only be once a year because I'm never, ever going to be mistaken for taking advantage of my listener base. You guys are loyal. Um, You back me up for a number of different things that, uh, quite frankly, in other instances, maybe you wouldn't, and I certainly understand that. Um, 
but the fact that my cousin has uh, his particular situation uh, and the fact that I am partial to uh, Scotty Johnson's plight with the CancerSuckChicago.com and the fact that the Centralites have come each and every time, you know, so this is this was just the second time we've ever actually done anything to actually raise money, is completely humbling to me. I am completely thankful, and I appreciate the people that are listening live, obviously, because this is kind of generated live and spontaneous. Uh, but for everybody that does something else, you know, down the road, uh, after hearing it on podcasts, whatever the case may be, I certainly appreciate the fact that you listen to the show, that you come here every week, that you download it on podcasts, that you tell your friends about it. And uh, when it comes to it, uh, you support uh, the causes that mean the most to me, which you did tonight, and I certainly appreciate that. And that, you, of course, you visit the show sponsors, or at least give them first consideration since they sponsor the show as well. So uh, let's go ahead and get this thing all wrapped up nice and tight. Let me thank my guests tonight. First hour, believe it or not, all the way back at 914, we had Candy Weaver from Barbecuers Delight. She took uh, Reserve Grand Champion in Jefferson City, Missouri this past weekend. Also talked about some KCBS stuff. We also talked about or talked to Derek Riches, bbq.about.com. Awesome. A new Kamado pellet cooker coming out, by the way, in case you missed that. New Kamado pellet cooker. Everybody needs one. Top of the second hour, we talked to my cousin Scott Volpe, as we just got done uh, mentioning. Talked about his son, Ben Volpe, who has type 1 juvenile diabetes. Uh, he's been diagnosed with that with two years now, living with that. Uh, Scott said the hour-to-hour struggle, making sure that the insulin levels, the blood sugar deals are right. So hopefully that gave some uh, insight to you guys, shed a little light on. Maybe you, maybe it's sparking something within you right now that you, you're going to go ahead and, and check out. Uh, of course, uh, all the websites will be linked up in the post-show notes. And then Meathead for closing out the second hour. And uh, evidently, from all accounts, closing out a bottle of port at the same time. hey Let me help to remind you and control that rusty grill grate population that's out there. Have the rusty, I'm sorry, do you have raw cast iron? Do you cook on that? Do yourself a favor. After you've cooked on it, you clean it off, and it starts to cool down. Hit a little bit of Pam, maybe some Crisco, let it bake in as it starts to cool down. It will reseason each and every time and keep you rust free. You'll get years, generations of use off. Also, September 11, 2001. I will never forget, and I know you won't either. Great show next Tuesday. We'll be coming to you live and direct from Windsor, Ontario. So I can't vouch for the quality, but I'll try. And uh, we'll see what's shaking then. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and uh, humbled U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.